Hello, everybody, and welcome to Coffee and Tea Talk. I'm your host, Les Sexton, and here with me, as always, my co-host, Hoyt Priest. You're listening to a Red Barn Media production. Up next is Southwest Michigan's The Bag 40 Podcast. This is Southwest Michigan's The Bag 40 Podcast, and we are here recording episode number seven. Wait. Hello, everybody. Man, and uh, we've got another person with us this week. Ewan, introduce yourself. Hey, Ewan Johnson. Appreciate you guys having me. I uh, have always wanted to be listened to. Never been recorded, so this uh, you make me feel important. <laughs> <laughs> you are important. Um, <laughs> Thank you. So, and we're going to get to you in here in a few minutes. But you and if we're uh, you know if you want to jump in on this conversation prior to go right ahead, man. But hey, wait. It's hunting season. It is. Man, what is it? October third, right October now. October third. It is in the air. Leaves are starting to change. I just got back from being up in the UP for the last three days. What an amazing trip that was. Um, I overslept the first. I was going to plan. I was planning on going out Sunday morning, but yeah. stayed up a little too late <laughs> Saturday night. That's odd. but So, I, I mean, I haven't really talked to anybody. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that already have gotten deer. Uh, once again, listeners, make sure to just... Um, either private message us or tag us in a post or something and let us reach out to you because we may want to um, sit down and interview and ask you about your hunt. Kind of like what Caitlin did on uh, episode six and uh, she, we got to listen to her and uh, man, she was exciting. We can patch in by phone. Yeah. No need to travel. So yep, our, always better in person, but uh, we can always patch in by phone too. Yeah. And we missed you in one, uh, I don't know, back in May. May. Back in May. Yeah, so uh, we were thinking about the phone thing, but um, I, what I wanted to share with what I want share, you want to share with us is I think you're going to really hear him his passion over it, you know, in person more than over the phone. So, um, but hey, I just wanted to kind of go over a couple stats. I don't know if hunters, if you have not gotten it yet, uh, you need to download the uh, Michigan DNR app. Um, it is going to be pretty much mandatory this year to um what's that word to mandatory oh i guess it is <laughs> I, I didn't do it last year i don't I think hoit. they were uh it was it it was it kind was, of a test or yeah. not a test but like a trial season I'm, I'm not gonna speak for the dnr but I, it kind of sounded like it was they were getting going probably working on a lot of bugs maybe um, i got myself in trouble just now i'm knocking so. on my door uh last year's deer oh, how many you got and, <laughs> and that brings me to this point if my my stats are not going to load, I guess. Oh, yeah, they will. Um, so last year, and this is where I know this, they weren't hunting people down because um, last year's hunting report, uh, kill report shows that there was only 303,000 deer um, that were shot and killed or harvested in, in 2022. And I think that that seems low. Yeah, 400, I thought, or 450. Yeah, Usually, is that hunters? From an outside perspective, that is so much higher than i would have thought well you know so and this is you know i kind of put it in people's perspective i'm like okay think about this you know me and you we kill you know one two maybe maybe three if we're lucky a, yeah. a year and you know it fills up our freezer can you imagine a heaping mound of three hundred and 
3,000 deer. Just a local many? processor. Yeah. You go there and you see all the hides all the they have stacked they, up. Yeah. And yeah, that it's takes up a, lot a trailer full. That yeah. is a lot of space. But this is the reason why we need hunting is because if we don't take care of those 303,000, but we know it's a lot more, if we don't take and, and eliminate them, our population, I mean, in one year, boom. Oh, Mother Nature is much more cruel than anything we can do to a deer. Yes. Just and the car deer accidents. So, yeah. Um, Chronic know, wasting, the blue tongue. Oh, mm. yeah. There's all sorts of stuff. But I wanted to kind of get into um, some of the numbers this year already. Uh, Hoyt, I mean, this goes back to beginning of September when uh, Liberty Hunt and uh, the uh, the youth hunt and all that. And, and now we're three days into the archery season. How many deer do you think in the state of Michigan has been harvested up to this point? Oh, I'm just going to guess. I mean, youth season, um, 2000. Okay. So statewide, 12,879. Really? Up to this point. Youth hunt, dis- disabled hunt or disability, what do you call it? What's that? The, uh, uh, the, um, freedom hunt yeah 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 and then three days a season really yeah so i I kind of thought that was a lot too yeah but so what's also cool about this app is we can um we can look at these by county so i'm quizzing you again hoyt uh sorry we already know twelve thousand for the for the total for the total barion county how many deer do you think Berrien County have? Mm, Berrien County, I'm going to say 200. 111. Oh, okay. Okay. Right. Pretty so, close. Yeah. Now, Van Buren, probably a little more. I'll say 200 for Van Buren. So let me scroll down here to Van Buren. Van Buren, we're, you're correct. It is a little bit more, 187 deer okay. at this point. Right. So 74 antlered, 113 antlerless. Cass County. Try and, Cass County. Cass is a big one. And I knew, 300, I'll say 300. I knew you were going to ask that one. So That's Cass where I'm from, Dwajak. Yep. So 44 antlered, 54 oh, antlerless. A little bit low. So, okay. Yeah, uh, 98. Oh, my partner's on Dwajak. You're disappointing me. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> uh, that just means that the, the rut needs to kick in before. So I'm, I know I'm going to butcher this up, um, but... Out of all the counties, like, have any idea how many out of the most? Not the most. Oh, what? Which county is the most? Well, Jackson. It, it's it, uh, Jackson. Looks like it's. It, I mean, they're at two ninety five for Jackson. Okay. So the highest is, um, and I'm gonna butcher this up. Uh, Sanilac. Hmm. S a n i l a c. 282 antler deer, 221 antlerless, total mm. of 503 deer. Wow. Already. That, I mean, yeah. And we're just into it three days. Spell that again for me. I'll, uh, I'll type it in my yeah. uh, pocket brain here your, and see what this brain. says. Pocket brain. S A N I L A C. I don't even know where that is. So, like, if you could tell me. Yeah, so I put on my spectacles, too. So, um, 
One of the reasons why we want to have you and I and why Hoyt is looking at that is uh, you got it already. Yeah, the thumb region. The thumb region. Yeah. Oh, you were giving me the thumbs up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Ewan's over here going, thumb. I didn't even mean to give you the, the thumbs mid- up for the thumb the region mid- or the thumb area, yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Ewan is not from Michigan, so he's like, what? What are you talking about? Oh, yeah. I spent oh, yeah, just yeah. enough time to put my hand up. <laughs> <laughs> so um, one of the reasons why... I wanted to have you and on is um, the last year, me and my wife had went up to uh, Munising area, Pitcher Rock area, and um, my first day meeting Ewan, um, I knew he was coming into our shop. Um, we we worked together, and he was coming in to get some training. And I and I was told he was going to be there on Monday, which I was on vacation that day. I ended up coming uh, to work on Tuesday. I am leaving for the day, and I actually seen him and I walked over to him and I was like, Hey, I'm, I'm less. I'm, you know, and you know, introduced myself, told him what I did there. And, uh, he introduced himself and immediately he just like looked up at me and goes, you play disc golf. And I had a disc golf hat on with a uh, basket on it. And I'm like, yeah. And so literally we just, we hit it off right there and I invited him out to our league on Wednesdays and he ended up coming out and me and him just, we got to know each other and I got to pick his brain a little bit and, and he, started talking about this trip and this trip and uh so you went first off how old are you i am 25 you're 25 yeah. okay just a couple years younger than me yeah, yeah just a handful <laughs> just yeah, a, yeah. yeah well three or four so my daughter is older than him so that's all <laughs> uh but so ewan is such a likable guy um, oh come on so it, and it's not just coming from me but i mean you're gonna hear in his story that like he meets people and literally just instantly wins their trust. And I mean, I like, can see that already. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So you and stranger you, in my house so, and I'm, I'm liking the guy already. <laughs> tell, tell me I'm wrong. What are you doing tomorrow? Uh, tomorrow I'm going to meet up with a friend that I made here in the two months that, uh, I spent here. A really nice kid named Colin. He lives, uh, over in St. Joe. We met, I was at a brewery that I would go to on Thursdays when I was here go alone. I didn't know anyone here. Um, for trivia, and I see this kid walk in with a leather jacket and a helmet and he's my age and immediately I was like, well, you know, what, what are you writing? Um, cause I can't help myself. And we get to talking and he says, Oh, you know, I have a, a handful of motorcycles, uh, if you want to come by and we can ride them together. So we just hit it off and I wound up spending the whole two months here. We would hang out and go different places and uh, I had a motorcycle to ride in a, a place away from home which was just uh, I couldn't ask for anything more exciting nice yeah, yeah and, well and that's not the, I mean you had multiple people that wasn't the first <laughs> that wasn't the first actually with it yeah probably two weeks different stranger also tossed me the keys to his bike and said have fun yeah. <laughs> don't know why I've never had anybody go ah, here's a you know. to be fair well, if I, I had, had a motorcycle you could have my keys too but I, I, I appreciate it <laughs> That truck looked nice in the yeah. garage. <laughs> you got to fight me for that one. Though. Yeah, I wouldn't want to do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, you started telling me about this trip, and I want you to just touch base on it uh, because you know. First off, I want I, you know I want you I want you to kind of go over with like how long did you prep? What kind of things did you buy to prep? Did you like just wake up one day and say, "Boom, I'm gone." And more importantly, what things did you forget that you wish you had? So I, I feel like I never have the answers to these questions because I couldn't even tell you 
what gave me the idea. I have an idea. I was out in Utah on a ski trip one day um, with some friends and we went to this place called Antelope Island. It was really cool. There's just where wild bison roam and it was just this amazing stretch of road with mountains all over the place. And uh, I had recently gotten really into motorcycling and one of them jokingly said, oh, imagine how cool it'd be to ride a bike here. And I thought, yeah, well, that would be, that'd be pretty amazing. I should do that. But then never thought about it for about a year. And then I was bartending at the time. I had been doing it a while and was ready to move on and start applying to jobs to start a career. And so I figured, you know, I have all this money saved up. I was still living with my parents. I might as well quit and just do something really extreme to kind of reset and then start from there. So I pulled out a map and picked every place in the country I wanted to see, national parks, places I'd never been, and just plotted a route and uh, was originally trying to do it with a friend who wasn't able to because he had work and, you know, life in the way. So I'd gotten so obsessed with this idea by then that I figured, oh, I'll do it myself. And I didn't have any plan, no experience, no idea what to pack, no expectations. I just set a date and said, you know, this is the day I'm leaving and I'm going to do it. And it turned into a two-month-long extravaganza that totaled about 11,000 miles. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was... Uh, if you, anybody who knows me, I never shut up about it. And I'm sure it's annoying. So the fact that you guys had me here to talk about it is... I'm just thrilled to bits. Something you'll remember your entire life, too, huh? Oh, you're 80 years old, you'll still remember that time. Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll be in my rocking chair telling the same story five times in a row. So. <laughs> okay. To the same person. Because yeah, exactly. you forgot you just told the person. Exactly, that. exactly. So where do you live? I'm from Connecticut. I grew okay. up there. Uh, I left from Connecticut, went coast to coast, and thankfully got out here to Michigan for a couple months for work, and that's how we met. Yeah, yeah. And, and like, I was going back because I had asked you to send me some of those pictures, and what's kind of cool about the iPhone, which I didn't really know this, done this, but this is kind of, I don't know, stalkerish. But you'd send me those pictures, and like I pulled up my map for my pictures, and I'm like, Shows I've, your location. Never, I've never oh, took yeah. pictures in um, Washington, like Seattle area, and I like I click on it, and it's you, and I'm like, are you kidding me? So, oh, that's cool. Yeah, I know that your route must have went up that way. Yeah. Um, so, some of the views that you had were just amazing. What what um, what stops do you remember the most? Uh, Ooh. In, I, I guess, you know, did you ride until you're just like, hey, man, I'm tired. I got to pull over and maybe research to find a place. Or? Yes. So there were a handful of ground rules for the trip is I had to camp all of it, which wasn't necessarily for like a ruggedness sake. It was just financially. I didn't want to you uh, know, okay. get hotels all the time. Yeah. And, and now since I've done this, I've found a lot of content of people, you know, podcasting or, or posting on the internet about their experiences doing this. And a lot of them do hotels and mix up hotels and camping to shower. Uh, wasn't a concern of mine. So that wasn't something to ever really worry about. <laughs> and there's one of those photos you can kind of tell. Your faces. <laughs> oh, the, uh, the picture in the phone kind of smelled, didn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. It was an ongoing joke that my friends said they could smell me from 2,000, 3,000 miles away. Yeah. Yeah. Because it looked like you had goggles or something. Yes. Like you just like. I had an open-faced helmet, so all the dirt from the road. Uh, a mix of sunscreen was like a, a big net to catch everything that, you know, tires throw up in the air. Yeah. But I had no plan. I had no idea of how I was going to do it. And what's really great is my dad is also really into motorcycles. He's kind of what got me into him. 
And he thought this idea was so cool. He wanted to join for a couple days. So he joined me the first two days out to Ohio, and then he turned around to head back. But in those two days, we figured out what the routine would be, how to do it. We set a location the first day, you know, four hours away. We'll get here. I, I should say, too, the furthest I had ever taken a motorcycle before this was 100 miles. It was from Connecticut up to Rhode oh. Island, which is not very far, uh, considering Rhode Island, uh, compared to the rest of the country, doesn't seem very big. But we set the day, uh, rode probably four hours, camped that night, and then in the morning decided we were going to get breakfast and figure out where we were going that day. Set another location, you know, five, six hours, because we had more time this time, and uh, try to find a campsite there. And that set the tone for the whole trip is you wake up in the morning, figure out where you want to go, find a campsite that seems attainable within the day, and you just start heading there. And then whatever you see on the way is just part of that day's adventure, and then you, you wake up the next day and do it again. Right. Nice. So did you buy a motorcycle just for this, or did you have one? Because you said you came here and you are borrowing the, your friend's bike. Yes. So how how did, you, how did you get one, or when did you get one? So I, I had a moped in high school that I loved. Okay. and. I always wanted a dirt bike as a kid, and I never had one. There was just in, – in the suburban area I grew up, there was no space for one. It wasn't practical at all. You couldn't ride them anywhere. But it's all I ever wanted. I used to write my parents' essays every single week, you know, trying to – when I learned persuasive writing in, you know, third grade or whatever it was, it was a five-paragraph <laughs> paragraph essay every Sunday. Uh, never got one. So then I had a moped in high school, and when I started working in, in restaurants, I had some money and some time, so I bought my first motorcycle. Completely hooked. I think I've owned – I was trying to do, do figure it out before I got here. It's like eight eight motorcycles now between being, I want to say I bought my first one at 19 or 20, and I've owned about eight now, buy and sell them a lot. So I had a bike that, um, depending on who you ask, is by no means a touring bike, but it certainly was because anything that'll keep moving is a touring there bike. There you go. <laughs> yeah. I like that yep. too. Yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, so I had a bike ready, and I had some camping gear. I had read this book um, – Ted Simon's Jupiter's Travels. He's the first person who circumnavigated the globe back in the 60s on a bike. And he has this picture right in the beginning of the book where it's just everything he packed spread out on a floor. So I just started doing that. And I figured I'd put everything on the floor and see what I needed, but didn't really know. I had a tent. I had a, a little chair, a little sleeping pad, a little pillow, and a bottle of whiskey. <laughs> priorities yeah. yeah exactly you can conquer the world with that one yeah exactly <laughs> exactly so that was really it and that was that was how we figured it out and i acquired certain things along the way like i got a little auxiliary gas tank and stuff like that for long stretches um but yeah i mean so food was actually a big a big thing to try to figure out because you can't store anything that's not like granola bars or canned stuff yeah. so i figured out pretty early on that people who go to campsites pack a lot of food for their family and they always have surplus food and make friends with your neighbors and you'll never go hungry. <laughs> so a bottle of whiskey doesn't go bad. You go, yeah, I would, I think I probably train. Yeah, absolutely. Bartering yeah. In, in, yeah. in a very simple way. I, I would just go make friends with the neighbors and offer them whiskey and you know, they'd offer hot dogs or whatever they cook. So I, the best I had was actually a tri-tip, a very nice tri-tip cooked out in California. Wow. So that, a way to figure out food. But other than that, it was like granola bars and you know, coffee. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, is that, I mean, you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> I mean, God, I wish I'd done something like that when I was your age. Yeah. Well, so, and, and this is kind of, um, you know, with going up to um, Pitcher Rock, you know, we did our camping and our, our, our hiking. We didn't really, we didn't do any camping. We, we got an Airbnb, but it was just a bed because we were out just, we were camping or uh, hiking every day. And so 
we had met a couple of people on a trail that were doing overnight camps. You know, they're hiking to, uh, I don't know, I think it's like 48 miles from Munising up to the top of, I don't even remember what it is, but the, the, the whole trail is like 48 miles. We don't plan on doing that, but me and my wife were wanting to do something. And, you know, hearing you and some of the stuff that you did, and obviously, you know, you say you didn't train, but I mean, mentally, I think that you started preparing yourself in that first two days, you know, yes. that's probably where you mentally were like, okay, I'm not too far from home and I could probably go back. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> they, you're absolutely right. And, and, or, and so we, our training is because I don't want to be out, you know, 15 miles away and out in the middle of the woods and it's dark and we're hearing noises or we're whatever, and we're not like panic mode. We're wanting to help, you know, we want the hell yeah. out of here, you know? Yeah. So I already told her, I'm like, you know, that we're just going to have to like grab our stuff and just go out in the middle of the woods and just throw up a camp and stay the night there just to, I think mentally get over the, I mean, cause Hoyt, you know, yeah. going out there yeah. in, in, in yeah. the morning, you hear things and you are it's a different world. Yeah. yeah. So, but that's just going out an hour before daylight. Yeah. We're going to In land that there. we know in our backyard. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And like, you know, like something like within five feet of you. So, you know, here we are, we're, we don't have, we could possibly be by ourselves. Some of the campsites don't allow any fire. Yep. So it's like, uh, okay, you know, keep them warm. So there's like all this stuff. So over the next year, this is what we're going to be doing is we're going to be collecting a lot of data and, and, and just trying to figure out what we need. Kind yeah. of like what you, it, we're going to get help. Uh, there's a place here in town, St. Joe. I can't remember what the name of it is, but maybe we can even get a, a podcast with them um, to kind of promote their business. But we want to document our, our trip yeah. and prepping for it. So we're probably going to come up with a Facebook page and kind of just, you know, give people like our, information like hey this is what we're doing this is where we're at this is what we bought this is uh yep. this is how much this costs this is you know what we're doing we're planning it. hey we went out this weekend and just so not only to kind of keep people because we i mean me and my wife we do trips all the time and people are always like oh my goodness man you guys are always we love seeing your post pictures and stuff you know and, and so i'm like what better idea to like not let us back out of it <laughs> yeah, yeah, you have no you're verbally you committing know. right now right, to I'm it. Verbally so, yeah. committing, and, and, and so is the wife. And, and I told her, I'm like, you know, babe, you know, it, when we started this whole podcast, he's saying she's like, I'm never getting in a microphone. And I, on the way home, I'm like, you know what this means? She was just kind of like, yeah, I do. And, I'm, and she's like, you're the person. You you do that. And I'm like, no. We're gonna both we're, sit in silence until she we're, talks. We're, <laughs> we're in this together. So you know, it's like we're gonna we're gonna probably do some podcasts on it. But we want to update people on our, our progress of doing it and training and everything. And you know, obviously, what I told her because like, what did it do this weekend? It rained cats and dogs up there. I mean, it was like thunder and lightning. We were out hiking at one point and it was it started raining on us when there's a couple big bolts of lightning and we we're like, okay, we're we're like six miles from the car, but there ain't really much you could do, you know? Yeah. Um, Except get wet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, you know. It happens. And, and, and that's what we got to, I told him, like, you know, some point in summer, it's going to be like, there's rain in the forecast. Get the pack, you know, get the campus stuff. Cause you know, we're, we're going, we're going to practice. We have to, you know? And yeah. so, um, we're, we want to learn what is going to be good for us. First of all, you know, like she doesn't want to be in a tent. She wants to be in a hammock. Mm -hmm. 
All right. So now I, I'm thinking, okay, maybe we both have hammocks uh, with a mosquito net. And then we're going to have to come up with some kind of a tarping system to be able to put over us in case it does rain. Yeah. You know, so we're up off the ground. So that's going to yeah. be a little bit. Of, so lots of um, investigative work to be done. Camping gear is a deep, deep rabbit hole you can go down. Yes. It's an exciting one and it's an expensive one. I was just going to say that. Yeah, get <laughs> yeah. your wallet out. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So, um, you know, in, in, uh, I'm not going to spill the beans on what we got because I think we, we got something that's going to cover some of those finances and, and we may ask for help from um, other people, but the help is going to be in a different way. And uh, we're going to collect some more information on that before I, I give up too much. But I, there is going to be a way that people can be like, Hey man, this is kind of cool. And if I could help out in what we've got planned is it's not going to be really helping us out. It's going to be helping out lots of other people. And nice. so, awesome. um, and, and it, it, it's going to be a good cause in it. So, um, financially it will help us, but, um, you'll, you'll see when we do some more research on it and we get ready to, to introduce that out to you, uh, to everybody. And so, yeah, man, um, can't wait to hear about it. Yeah. It's going to be exciting. Um, and so do you have any other, like, I mean, share some rain stories with that you yeah. experienced. Yeah. What's the, the worst rainstorm you were in and how'd you get out of it or what happened? So since, since I've gotten back from this trip, I've tried to figure out ways to practically go very long distance on, on bikes since, and it's hard now that, you know, I work and I have a schedule. It's, it's easy when you have no responsibilities or obligation, but um, some of the worst rain I've been in w- was actually not during this trip. The the, the two month trip, I ha- I got hit with a thunderstorm really early on day two, and it really freaked me out because I got hit with a side wind and with all my stuff on the bike it was kind of like a sail. So I got I got pushed pretty heavily and it definitely shook me up. And we we sat under a bridge for a little bit to to wait it out. Um, but riding in the rain is really not too bad as soon as you accept the discomfort of it. It's one of those things where you'll try as hard as you can to stay out of the rain. And then once you get in it, you know, it's, you're just wet. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. not, it's really no different. There's you can't no get any issue. wetter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's like jumping in a swimming pool. You know, once it happened, it happened. So there's no huge danger element to it. Obviously there can be, but yeah, for the most part, it's really just a discomfort thing. Yeah. yeah. And, and so uh, what time of year did you do this? Uh, I want to say I left in June and I got back around August. Okay, so yeah. summer, summer. But I mean, you're going through different climates too. Yes, though, even that though was it's all summer. I mean, you're going through a lot more than I expected. Yeah. Definitely, especially with elevation. I I didn't really know how to pack, so I I brought. I would always wear long pants. I, I found out quickly that the sun was a huge issue being outside all day. No, yeah. Uh, so pants, long sleeves, a lot of the time. Um, but yeah, I think the the most drastic temperature change I got was one night. Well, one night I camped and it was like 30 degrees in August and I did not have any sort of warm layers to account for it. So I was just very, very cold that night. But then another day later on, I I think I I left in the morning and it was 100 degrees riding through the (laughs) desert. And then 24 hours later, I was on a ferry going to an island off the coast of the Pacific and it was 50 degrees. So... 24 hours, 50 degree temperature change. You know, you're coming from sweat and sunburn that you haven't showered off and <laughs> now you're freezing on a, a wet ferry. It was absolutely bizarre. So a lot, yeah, a lot of different, I think, yeah, probably highest temperature I rode through was 106 degrees in the Southern California desert. And that was probably three weeks, two weeks following, um, uh, about 30 degrees at night. So a good 70 to 80 degree range, yeah. uh, all in the course of, yeah, June to August. 
so any any like uh I know you said close calls, like, you know, with the, the thunderstorm. I mean, because, like, probably one of the biggest issues that I – it scares me and one of the reasons – I mean, I grew up on, you know, you didn't have any dirt bikes. I had all kinds. Yeah. Um, and Jealous. <laughs> so – but I also grew up in the state of Michigan where you can't watch the news during the, the summer and, and not see someone getting killed on a motorcycle. Oh, yeah. Um, the road conditions or whatever it is, is people just don't pay attention. And I'm sure that's just not here in Michigan, but you know, I mean, wait, you're from Michigan. Oh, yeah. And yeah. These I've, roads, I've, I've had I, motorcycles too. Yeah. I just, you know, and I, I got to the age, I just was like, I'm not, I, everybody you talk to knows someone that's been in a motorcycle. Ride. Or a very close call. Yeah. Which yeah. So, here too. Yeah. And that, and that scared me. I mean, I, I have road road bikes and everything, but I just, I didn't want to have anything to do with it. So, um, did, any close calls, like, uh, you know, Anything that just was like, oh my goodness, man, this was like almost got you to just throw in a towel and go, I'm, I'm about ready to sell this thing and get on an airplane and go home. You know what? I would say you have enough close calls often enough where the thought never hits you, or at least for me, I'm sure it does for many, but I've never had the thought of, oh, I need to sell this. I have close calls, but um, as long as you, you've taken a, an MSA course and you can practice defensive driving um, it's really just it's trying to predict all the bad things that can happen and just being as safe and responsible as you can um, to avoid accidents. I mean, yeah, there's I had I probably, you know, 10 to 15 pretty standard traffic incidents where I'd, you know, hit the brakes hard or swerve out of the way or something or some sort of debris in the road, deer, yeah. you know, things yeah. like that. But I mean, the best way to deal with it is just be alert and um, just always try to practice safe riding. I think a lot of the things that scared me the most were. Um, weather in flat areas because I, I, I probably an unreasonable fear of lightning um, out of any. And I was always worried that, you know, being the high point on this road in the desert, if I'd, I saw a couple of thunderstorms passing through and I'd have to completely divert my route just to, to not be there for fear of getting struck, which probably would never happen. I saw other bikes go through it. I just decided that was outside of my risk threshold. You know, I'm not you know, that big of a rush. I yeah, <laughs> exactly. I, I have nowhere I to be. See what that is down that road. Let's exactly. Yeah. You know, I'm sure being on the open road is a lot different. Like in town is probably the most dangerous from my experience. Yeah. You know, because of just, just cars, traffic, you know, but open road, I bet it's, it's. Yeah. I mean, if you can see the, as far as you can in front of you for 50 miles and there's maybe a car every 20 minutes, you certainly yeah. have less not risk. Not much danger to, there. Yeah. yeah. You're, if you're going down the street to the grocery store, you're definitely going to run into some more dangerous things, yeah. which I think a lot of the reason people are hesitant to go do grand motorcycle adventures is for a danger aspect, which Statistically, and I, I'm no statistician, so don't quote me on this, but the highway is, in my experience, a lot less dangerous yep. than riding around town. I mean, there's just so many things yeah. you, there's, there's less things to worry about. And especially the more rural areas you get out to, there's just less incidents that can happen. Yeah. I mean, you have weather to worry about, but that's, that's really it. You know, you don't have somebody pulling out of a stop sign that didn't look left again. You know, things like that. And there's so many things in life. Okay, you're surfing out in Hawaii and waves are 30 feet. That's dangerous. You know, but you enjoy it. It's your passion. Yes. So, you know what? I, it's, that's not even a thought in your mind. Is it, be, you'll watch out and just have fun. Yes. D does the joy you get from it outweigh yeah. the fear or anxiety it might cause in others or, or yourself in other moments? Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So do's and don'ts. Oh, wow. I, you know, I had tried to run through all the possible things you guys could have asked before this in my head, and I, I didn't really know what you were going to. Um, do's, bring rain gear. I thought I was too cool for it. I was not too cool for it. <laughs> Nobody's too cool for rain gear when they're soaking wet and freezing. Um, 
Yeah, pack pack good food you can, like um, things you can pack away because you get really tired of stuff. But I, the biggest do I would say is really just don't, the, for anybody that's ever thought about taking an overnight trip on a motorcycle or somebody who hasn't even, if you just got a bike and you like riding it around town, go one time just to try it out. Ride in one direction, stay in a hotel, camp, whatever you want to do, wake up the next morning and keep riding further. The second day where you finally spend a second day going further away than where you had started the day prior, something clicks where everything just changes. The bike turns into what feels like a, a pet horse. You look after it like it's a companion of yeah. yours and you just have this separation from from any sort of traveling you've done before. And it's un, unbelievable. I would recommend it to absolutely anybody. Do it in a car. I don't know. I mean... I. Never mind, I take that back. But uh, <laughs> if, if that's your thing, do that. Uh, but yeah, no, I don't know. I, I would say for dues, safety gear, helmet, definitely. All, all the boring stuff like that, you know, just be careful. Um, lots of water and sunscreen. I noticed uh, I didn't have a big enough water bottle a lot of the time. I'd go through stretches of the desert where I wouldn't see water for hours at a time and would get really dehydrated and, you know, I filled up my water bottle and gas station bathroom sinks and stuff just trying to find stuff. Actually, another do and don't there. I was too frugal to buy bottled water for the longest time because I wanted to make my budget last. So I would do things like fill up a water bottle in a gas station bathroom. Buy the water. It's so much better. It's cold. <laughs> and it's clean. <laughs> it's so gross. But yeah, that was water is a big one. Food's a big one. Proper protective gear, rain gear, um, warm stuff. And sleeping pads. If you're doing any sort of extended camping, get a sleeping pad. A good one. A good one. It makes such a difference. It's the difference between getting a good night's sleep every single night and being miserable and saying, oh, this is why people hate camping. It's really, it's like a $100 purchase you can make that will just change camping forever. Okay, yeah. they're, nice. they're fantastic. Wait. I'm ready. I'm ready. Just got to quit my job. Yeah. <laughs> get rid of all my responsibilities. That's, that's the hard <laughs> part. Now, now that I have responsibilities, it's really, really difficult to find ways to go do longer trips because now... I've tried working in ways where I can, you know, go do a weekend trip or a three-day trip or four-day trip, and that's easy. But I'm trying to check off all 50 states. That's a, a goal of mine to hit all 50 on a motorcycle. I'm at 38 right now, so I've got a good chunk of them down. But the ones I need to hit are really far and inconvenient. There's a handful in the middle. I think it's like Kansas, Arkansas, Oklahoma, um, Missouri, both Dakotas, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Alaska, Hawaii, they're, they're all really far. So now trying to figure out a way where I can get there and check these off without ruining a trip by just steaming ahead for four yeah. days, not seeing anything, not stopping oh, to enjoy yeah. it. Just to check the box. Yeah, yes. you don't want to do that. Yeah. And, and I have done that. I yeah. have, I've gone to states where I've gone out of the way and just steamrolled through just to say I did it, which, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm happy I did it. Because I, I, yeah. I, I think you... Like you said, you like just kind of came through Michigan at first to, to just check it off. So list. yes, at first when I had been given somebody else's bike to ride here, yeah. I was in two minds about whether I could check it off or not because I, I hopped on the bike in Michigan and I rode it in Michigan. So I have ridden a motorcycle in Michigan, but I didn't get there from riding from Connecticut, like my, my home base, which uh, to yeah. me is... So I had two scales going for a while. So then in May, I rode a motorcycle here from Connecticut. Yeah, and, that's, <laughs> and that was one of the other reasons why I was like, you know, we, I had... I'm going to get pictures of him, you know, to just rode in or whatever. And that would everything. have been so much cooler, yeah. right? But uh, hey, it is what it is. Yeah, yeah we're still it. here now. Yeah, um, man, I just 
I, so how old were you when you did this? 22? Uh, yeah, I turned 23, 23. So right when I turned 23. Yeah. That, I just like, okay, here's the difference. 23. I'd been married for two years, had a kid. <laughs> <laughs> that is a bit different. It is a bit a little, different. A little more difficult to say, hey, I'm going to pack up for two months on a motorcycle. I'll be back. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I was 23, graduating college, kind of going through a, kind of a wild phase there for a couple of years. Yeah, I was doing a lot of stuff, but <laughs> just well, a lot of crazy stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think just it's, I didn't it's do anything like that. Because you, you, you're now you're done with college and you're ready to move on yeah. to take on some more responsibilities. But it's you don't really want to let it go yet. So you just need some way to get out of it. But it, yeah, I mean, it, I wish I would have that mindset, though, to do something kind of unique and special after graduation where because that's the time. Yeah, there's no responsibilities. You don't have a job yet, and that's the time to do something that is you, never you can get remember back. forever. Yeah, yeah. you never yeah. get it back. Yeah, absolutely. Like, as soon, it seems like as soon as you graduate from high school, man, like your your responsibilities start just growing by leaps and bounds, and like every day you've got another responsibility, and and by the time you like realize, you're like, oh, oh crap, I can't do any of this because I got so much. So. Um, yeah. Uh, so all you youth out there right yes. now that are 18 to 23, 24, 25, yeah. whatever it is, yep. before chase you start getting tied dreams. down, yes, Go chase do your it. dreams. Go yep. do something that has always been on your mind. Or maybe maybe you heard this podcast and it's something, hmm, maybe it's a motorcycle. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a boat ride across to, over to Europe. Who knows? Yes. Yeah. I mean, See, that... I think it's so cool. There's as soon as you start exploring this route of solo travel or not even solo travel, but just creative travel, there are so many cool things you could do. I've heard of people, you know, following all sorts of inlets throughout the US by canoe and, you know, river rafting for a couple days on end. Yeah. Just things like that. There are so many cool things where you could find what you're into. Well there's just sorry, Les, there's folk, yeah. there's folks that boat down like the um not the Mississippi, but the over in Ohio, and it goes down to the Mississippi, then they go all the way down to the Gulf of Mexico, then all the way around Florida, and all the way back up. That's amazing. Yeah. And that's like a like a loop, a year long yeah. loop. That's insane. And they I live know, in their boat. I know. Yeah. I met a guy. I think he was um, when we met him. He was in, I believe, South Haven, in sailboat, and he had started from like Southern Florida or something, and he just you know would sail and pull over you know and at a marina and just stay that you know stay the night and just take off and do any like some days he would just he'd stay multiple days and he blogged and you know he had all kinds of stuff and like he'd just go to different bars and be like giving people like like here's my you know website get on and track me you know this is you that's know, so cool yeah, and yeah. so uh th that's kind of what you know why i want to kind of do the tracking of our our um not only to hold us accountable to making sure we do it <laughs> but i mean just, just to see you know all the different steps, you know, yeah. along the way. Um, well, less our chance will be when we retire. Yeah, no, <laughs> that, it's true. You know, life's not over yet. I'll be, I don't know, when 65 when I retire, maybe, who knows. But <laughs> yeah. you know what? I, I'm going to do something like this at some point in time, something crazy and just, just it's, out there. I, people do it. I, I've recently got on Facebook because I use it for Marketplace now to look at bikes. I wasn't on Facebook for the longest time. But I have joined all sorts of motorcycle groups now. It's like solo motorcycle rider, motorcycle camping, just all sorts of uh, groups where people talk about the things they do. And I thought, you know, this trip I did was pretty cool. And I realized so quickly as soon as I got connected to the Internet there are thousands of people that do this all the time. People in their 60s and 70s that are retired. I just saw a story about a guy, he posted in a group, I think he's 70 years old, 
and he did 11,000 miles in, in 18 days. Wow. So way less than half the time that I did it in. That makes my back hurt. Just thinking, yeah. isn't, that, isn't that amazing? <laughs> yeah. So there's, there's always hope to, to keep doing it. It's all so right. cool. All right. And I got to go. I got to ask because, you know, we, we promote this podcast as being a hunting and fishing and anything outdoors. And that's yes. why, one of the reasons why we, we, we got you in here because we, you, you fell into that category. I think hunting and fishing and camping and, and hiking and, and what you did is just like goes right along with what we feel um, you know, we get that excitement, you know, when that, that buck walks out, you know, and, and you get that excitement, you know, when you're able to just go, man, I got like six hours on my cycle to this campsite. Yeah. You know? So it's, it's the same feeling and a joy. Um, I gotta ask, cause I know you had said, man, I really, that, that's, it's one of my goals. Have you started in, into looking into any hunting and fishing? I know it's just cause it's yes. not you, right? It's no, it's not, not. And I did. I did start looking into it because the idea of being able to bring like a fishing rod on a bike somewhere and catch dinner and cook it. Cause I have cooking gear now that I can cook when I'm camping, be able to fish something or hunt something and cook. That is the ultimate. If, if I had to, we were talking about people sailing around and you know, people going by van or motorcycle around the country, just different creative travel. If motorcycling is being a cowboy, you know, that's what I would translate it to. You're riding yeah. this, this iron horse. Yeah you got to have a rifle and cook yourself some dinner that you made. You know, like, yeah. Yeah. that is just the coolest, coolest thing to me. Yeah. So I would love to be able to try to figure that out. I've since moved into an apartment in an urban area. So it's been definitely a setback in trying to, to get into hunting and fishing. But I, I think one of the things I did want to bring up on this was that motorcycling was a, like a gateway into all things outdoors for me. This was, I wasn't some big outdoorsy person before this. I, I liked seeing cool places, but setting out and solo camping for two months on end got me into pretty much how we became friends. We, yeah. we, we related on hiking and, and disc golf. Those are all things that I, I took up from motorcycles. You know, it's like an excuse to ride my bike somewhere to go to a hike or to go. I can fit disc golfs on a bike easily and go yeah. check out different courses. I can go camp anywhere. Now, like three weeks ago, I just rode nine hours away in search of a moose because I've never seen one. It's just an excuse to ride the bike, but it, it's like a gateway into outdoors things. Well, did you find one? No, I, uh, no, no. I, I, uh, after the whiskey you did though. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, the size I, of that moose. Yeah. Oh, I, so I later found out it's, it's mating season right now. So I'm actually really glad that I yeah. didn't. <laughs> it probably would have been pretty dangerous. You might've been mated. Yeah, exactly. Which wouldn't have been good. So the, you can see there's still a lot of learning to be done in terms of outdoorsy things. Yeah. But hunting and fishing definitely are just a bit further up the ladder. I'm, I'm getting there. But yeah, it'll be something. Hey, man, you can buy a cheap rod, cheap reel, and just and it's a learning thing. But I mean, most of the time you can catch something, you know. Yeah. And that's in in. But what? Just remind everybody, you know, when you're traveling like this, make sure that you're following all the state laws yes. and regulations, and because you don't ever want to break that, you know, because there's nothing worse than being on a trip and you know end up with a two hundred fifty dollar ticket because you just caught the wrong fish out of the wrong season. But yep. you we're looking at, Hey, getting a meal. So, um, yeah, I would just, you know, encourage you, man, just to, you know, you're already out outside, just start doing some research. Have you taken a, like, I, I took a hunter safety class when I was like 12 or 13 yeah, me years too, 12. old, man, yeah. just to get some of the basics down. Like you said, you, you took a, you know, a safety class in, um, the, the motorcycle riding, yeah. same thing, man. You're, it's about all, all about repetitiveness. You know, they want you to, to know that, you know, treat every gun like it's loaded, yep. you know, uh, 
So just like that, that I'm sure that there's things in your your, your motorcycle riding courses that they tell you that's just as, as repetitive stuff, man. Because I, I like to me now, it's natural. Somebody hands me a gun. The first thing I'm doing is I'm racking it and checking, making sure there's. Yep. It, and, and regardless, that barrel does never never go towards anybody. Yeah. It's always, yeah. You know, yeah. Just something. Even if you know it's yeah. unloaded, don't ever point that at anybody. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I think they definitely go hand in hand. It's just a respect for the danger of something you enjoy and just doing it properly. So I'm not sure. I don't think we talked about what brings you back to this week. I'm back here for work again. For work. Okay, for work again. Yes. Just two days. I was going to ride the bike out here, but I have a lot going on right now work-wise, so I couldn't afford the extra couple days on the road to do it. So I I flew here like a scared little boy. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately. So yeah, I'm back here. Much more scared on the plane than the motorcycle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. We got breaking news here. You you do not like flying? Is that... uh, No, 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 no. I'm fine with flying. I'm fine with flying. But it's way less cool than riding a bike. Oh, yeah. yeah. It seems hypocritical, you know. Yeah. Go go do it. Go solo travel. I flew here, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Well, are you coming back during hunting season? Because if you got a license, we could... We can I take would you love out. to do that. I would love to. If do you're that. coming back in, well, October, November, December, even. Yeah, I mean, if it's something, I mean, uh, you know, next year, if we want to like maybe hook up or something, you know, and you come out for a weekend or something, you know, between, I mean, our, our properties run together. So yeah. we, between me and him, oh, we can cool. put you out there and we'll, we'll get you something. There's only about you know? seven, you know, ninety acres that you can have access to out there so that's awesome. just a little bit of land that would be a, i would love that come out and take a doe because michigan's yeah. telling everybody to take more does this year because they're just and i think that has from what i heard the rumor you know the all the anti-hunters buying up all those doe permits or antlers yeah permits. I, remember I don't hearing know how that much too. you know i don't know if that has a lot of value to it but that was just a rumor that was going around and that's why a lot of them were like gone like i couldn't even get one for two years i'm like what well, how are they gone like they're and i had heard that uh, some anti-hunters were just going around and like just getting a bunch of money and they just go and they buy all these antlerless deer permits so that deer would not get shot in those areas oh wow and now we've got just a lot of does around and uh, yeah now mother nature takes care yeah. of them and it's interesting it's sad yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so yeah i mean uh and we're Man, we're we're at fourth. I'd, I'm probably going to be looking at maybe doing a little bit more trimming up and uh, getting up into the stands. I know I went out there the other day and like uh, just was doing some stuff and trimming down on uh, down low, but I didn't ever got up into my stands. Um, so looking forward to getting out there probably this weekend, but probably still another week and a half, two weeks before I get out for my first. Yeah, hunt. for me it's the end of October, except in my uncle's land in marcellus it's it's hot out there early season more yeah. bucks bedding areas around there so yeah. i'm gonna get out friday sunday depending on the weather it's supposed to rain yeah. so and then i have i already put in my uh my time for uh, november i think i got the oh i can't remember it's like the eighth through the 16th or something i don't know we'll have to but uh, yeah, shout out to my buddy no who always takes a month off he has like from October 20th till November 20th, 20th off every year. I'm so jealous. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. May him not use a climber stick. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, no, I had to yep, get that money. Yep, no, Got to get a little dig on you, know. Yeah. He, uh, he had the bottom drop, drop out of his, his climber stand one time. Oh, no. And I couldn't hear him. 
and he's over there like because when the bottom drops out, you just you're in a seat then. Yeah. And you're, you're dangling. Yeah. Your feet are dangling, but you still have a twenty seat feet up. Twenty feet up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's scary. And so he's hollering, and I thought I heard something. But I'm like, oh, I'm texting, like, no, where the hell are you at? You know. And the neighbor had heard him. And by the time I walked over to see what the hell was going on, the neighbor had brought over a ladder to get him so, out of the tree. No, and I and and I experienced him between those times because I just got done with my hunt and I'm going down the same road and like I get up because like there's a clearing and there's a stop sign and I always look down this clearing because I always see deer. It's down. a power line. It's a yeah, power line yeah. clearing, and so all of a sudden I'm like I see this. Like going click, 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 click. You know, I'm like, what the hell is going on? What, what is it? You know, and it's like 20 feet up and I'm like, so I'm texting Hoyt. I'm like, Hey man, what, uh, are you still in your tree stand? Are you needing help? What's going on? He's not responding. So then like I'm driving by and I'm like, my hearing's not the best. I'm hearing stuff. And I come back around, I go by, you know, to see if I can find Hoyt and he hasn't texted me. And then like, finally he's like, Oh yeah. You know, he updated me and, and I got back over there and I'd seen some vehicles there and I was like, okay, good. At least oh, he's wow. safe. But I was kind of feeling bad because, but now Noah has my, uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> my phone number too. So, <laughs> so I, I have one guy that same thing happened and he was out on his own. Yeah. And there was, he, I think it was, might've been before, cell phones even i mean that's how, how, how old i am too he's a big guy too he literally 20 feet he after a while he's like all right i have another choice he hung to try to get his, his feet as low as he could which what another three or four feet yeah, <laughs> only, not you know, much. and just let go oh wow and he sprained his ankle pretty good luckily that was about it yeah, but I I mean, it. yeah, yeah. yeah. so wow. uh just a little safety thing out there yes. for everybody if you happen to be out in a climbing stand uh they make tethers Tether those, tether those bottom yep. and top the together. Power, tether them together, and um, man, I can't stress uh, to put on a safety harness. I, I mean, I've had, I've had one guy that uh, that I hunted with when I was uh, younger. Um, he has fallen out and it had passed um, from falling out, and I just, you know, I had a, a couple near slips in like hugging the tree at 20 feet up trying to get back on and um so i'm i'm tethered all the way from the bottom all the way up now i got the lifelines uh kind of like the whole um you know uh rain rain weird rain gear i don't need none of that i'm too cool for it yeah when you bounce off of the ground you realize real quick that you're cool enough to put on a safety <laughs> yeah yeah exactly because you know like i i actually had um put a, a tree stand up and it was I'd used a couple of branches to get up to that tree stand. And I was standing on a branch that was about 20, 22 feet up. So, you know, I'm five foot, <clears throat> whatever. <laughs> so Me too. Five foot, six and, foot, six foot. And uh, you know, the, the branch broke. And you, if you haven't fallen from 20 feet, you have enough time to go, shit and you're reaching for stuff yeah. you know and then boom. before you hit Ugh. and and that's what and i hit both feet and i rolled over in you know knees and i'm like i'm stat there for a second going okay am i okay am i okay and i'm like I'm easing up and i'm like i think i i don't have anything broke and as i'm walking back up to the house i feel my knees starting to get a little bit stiffer i'm like okay something's not right got up there and my knees were swelled up they were bruised pretty bad but you know start thinking man i got you know wife kid you know i gotta work you know i couldn't afford a, you know to scary be, you know not working you know, you know being on one income so um you know just reminder guys there I, I had a friend that uh um 
back in the crossbow days when you weren't supposed to use them. He was using one, though. It was way back then. He went to cock it by hand in a ladder stand. And it about flipped him because he shot at a deer and missed it. So he went to cock it again. Quickly. Yeah, and it almost flipped him out. Oh, man. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's – what's the draw on one of those? They're real heavy, right? Oh, it's like uh, 120, 150 pounds. Nah, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah. And, and there's just so many different ways now. I mean, you got the cranks, you got the, you know, the, the, the cocking strings yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's like when I first got mine, I didn't know how to even use it. So I was just like clipping it on and trying to pull it back. And I'm like, you can't, you have to have like the, uh, the leverage on it, yeah. you know, and it, and room because yeah. yeah. that ladder stand didn't give him room to, to yeah. cock it. And, you know, he shouldn't have been using the crossbow anyway. There you he go. He shouldn't have been because it wasn't legal. He never got a deer anyway. <laughs> uh, man, I, we've went through a lot of stuff here. You and I just, you know, I'm amazed at you being so young um, and just everything that you've done. Uh, keep up the work, man. I mean, just I, I encourage you to just grab a bow. Uh, start shooting something, um, get a fishing pole, get out there. And once you start feeling nature in a different way, a tug on a string or, uh, you know, that of, uh, you know, bones cracking. As that buck fever shooting, when buck it's fever. it's coming in on you and you're like, oh, uh, this dude, is going to be it. This is going to be it. Oh, my God, is this going to happen? You know, in you know, you're shaking afterwards, you know, oh, because of the adrenaline rush and yeah. everything. Man, Total adrenaline dump. Like, I mean, yeah. it's like you've never experienced anything like that before. Yeah. That, from all the past episodes that I've listened to of this, that seems like the best part of all of this. And yeah. definitely an adrenaline junkie, so that sounds yeah, awesome. <laughs> yeah, I've had one where all up my spine, I just felt the electricity. I had wow. to sit there. Yeah. It was like I thought, like, I don't know what was going on. I didn't know what was going on. And I... I'd been hunting for 20 years at that point, and it still gets me. Yeah. Oh, that's and, awesome. you know, I've had some emotional hunts, you know, to where, like, uh, you know, I lost my dad uh, one year, like, right before um, uh, season, and I that year I ended up shooting one of the biggest bucks I had ever shot. And it was just such an awesome hunt. And, uh, you know, there's so much around it. I mean, you just, it like, you could just be going through something that day and just, you know, when you take an animal, cause you know, we, we harvest them. We're not, we're just not out there killing trophies, you know? Yeah. 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 You look around and, 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 and Hoyt's got some really big deer, but that's not what gets, gets Hoyt pumped up to get out there. You know, Hoyt loves to meet, you know, we eat these things and you know, we love seeing them grow too. Yeah. yeah. And you know, we, we start seeing these deer on a you know, regular basis and there's just, there's so much more to this deer hunting than just going yeah. out there and killing something like these animal, the anti hunters yeah. you know, think of just, Oh my gosh, poor animal. Yeah. Well, You're long it, of getting that land prepped and getting your spot set and looking and seeing what's out there and yeah. targeting certain bucks. It's yeah, that's amazing. It's our passion. It's from an outside perspective, having no experience hunting ever. It, it just seems like the amount of, effort and respect and tactfulness that it requires and then being out there alone and just having some time to soak it in and appreciate everything is it's special it's not it's not going to collect a trophy it doesn't yeah. seem like it so yeah. if it's us you coming back next year and we getting you on something or if you get something between them I'm looking forward to the next podcast where we're able to sit down and you're able to share our experience, kind of like what Kaylin did with um, with her buck uh, on, on the other episodes but uh, you and it's been 
it's been an awesome time. Thank you for joining us here. In, uh, yeah, it's man, been nice yeah. meeting you. This has Thanks been fantastic, over. and thank yeah. you both for having me. This hey, is no so problem. Fun. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to the next podcast. What will you do with you? Because I, I, I just even if we're even if we're like recording him when he when he shoots his first one, he's next. got something else up his sleeve too. He's going to do with some other kind of travel or some other kind of like yeah. really bold out there thing. I can tell because you're not satisfied there's, yet with you're going to be doing some more things. There's a combination sometime in the next decade where yep. Alaska. That's got to be it. You, something yep. that bug bit you in your yes, brain with that yes. that two that two month trip. It's you're going to do something else in your life. Yep. All right, I think we're going to call this episode a wrap. And uh, man, if you uh, if you have not followed us on Facebook yet, make sure to check us out. We're uh, at Southwest Michigan's The Back Forty Podcast. And um, guys, that's a wrap. This All right. Great. This is Ewan. You've been listening to Southwest Michigan's The Back Forty Podcast, and thank you for listening to my story. Thank you, Ewan, and thanks, listeners, for joining us out on another adventure out on Southwest Michigan's The Back 40 Podcast. Remember to always keep those lines tight, shoot straight, but most importantly, always hunt and fish responsibly.